Hello and welcome to the Real Food Whole Health Podcast, where it's all about real food and holistic living in the real world, with your host, nutritional therapist, Amy Love. And please note our disclaimer, all information and content in this podcast is for general information only and not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Thanks for joining us on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast. Today we're visiting with Aaron Davey from Real Chef Davey and the Bacon's Rebellion. Aaron, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure, Amy. So much fun. So happy to have you. And now you're in the LA area mm-hmm. and you are a personal chef, a real food chef, which is so awesome. <laughs> I think uh, everybody listening is like, how do I get a personal chef that cooks real food? <laughs> I know. You, Seems like a dream. I wouldn't think that those were mutual exclusive, right? I've got kind of different facets of what I do. So some of it's been going on five years and some of it is a little newer and has maybe been about two years. So how did you get started with that? I went to culinary school. I, um, at the time I was really young and I just, I didn't really do anything with it at the time. So Mm -hmm. fast forward a few years, I got married and I kind of felt like, gosh, I don't really know how to cook, like letting myself off the hook for the last few years. And I, and I want to do it again. So I went through the course again. It was just like a, a quickie, but it was good. Mostly I just did it for selfish reasons. I wanted to, you know, impress my new husband and, you know, it's the first time living in a, in a house that we owned. And I just felt like it was kind of a new fresh start. And I wanted to have that be one of my focal points in life. So literally like halfway through the course, um, a friend and I discovered Weston Price and the, the concept of real food and how like toxic and addictive sugar was and you know we just kind of like dove down that rabbit hole and I'm in culinary Mm -hmm. school and we're making things with white flour white sugar the cheapest ingredients possible to you know maximize your budget and all these concepts were just really colliding (laughs) and I was like uh this sucks you know like I really (laughs) I don't want to cook that food I I don't even want to eat it like I don't even want to taste it I know it's going to taste good but it's bad for me and I'm not right anymore and so it was really um yeah, that was that was an interesting sort of awakening for me. I was like, okay, I, I'm just not into this. So, I mean, of course, I completed it and I went through it, but I literally didn't. I tasted things and I didn't really eat them, and I just started to lose my taste for all the sugar um, and all the white flour and just kind of was like, oh, I'm going to start sprouting my own wheat and grinding my own flour and I'm going to start making my own kraut and kombucha and everyone's just like who are you and what have you done with our hair and like what is going on I yeah because like, that's hugely different hugely I mean that's a whole other end of yeah, the spectrum so right like, I just went from zero to 60 like boom different person and they were all like wait what you used to make jam every year and now you're like you're making it with honey what Exactly. They just couldn't. uh, Yeah, it was interesting. It was a little bit of a trend. But then when they tasted your food, you know, it was like, whoa, amazing, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. They were just like, oh, that tastes good. It's not weird. You know, you're not like feeding me sprouts and tofu. Like, yeah, (laughs) that's yummy. Exactly. (laughs) Well, duh, food should be yummy. I'm not interested in fake food or, you know, weird substitutes or anything like that. Yeah, that was something that was really hard for a lot of people in our family and our friends. Like when we started changing our diet, it was like, oh, my goodness, like this is going to be, you know, tofu and cardboard. Like, you know, they were kind of scared almost to come to our house. And, you know, at that time, like when we first started changing our diet, we weren't really like going out a lot. We weren't going to other people's homes because it was so new for us. We were trying to like get a handle on it. And I had been so sick that I was trying to like really overcome 
all of that quickly and like change everything fast. And so um, we just went for it. And so I know as we would like talk to our family, especially we were like, you know, talking about raw milk and like all these things. I remember one of my friends going like, you know, like, I am so sorry that you have to eat that like raw milk cheese. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, are you for real? And she was like, is it just awful? And I'm like, it's the best food in the world. I'm like, think about fine French cheeses. Like, they're all made with raw milk. But it was such a foreign concept to her. You know, I mean, she was used to just buying in the store just like I was. Um, And and you could get raw milk cheese in the store. Um, But, you know, I'm like, no, it's totally delicious. I'm like, it tastes just like regular cheese like if we're talking about like a cheddar or something like that only better and she was just like whoa only way better and um and it you know I wasn't allergic to it you know I could have that I whereas at that time I couldn't have the pasteurized dairy so um anyway it was really something that like our family and friends were kind of weirded out they kind of didn't know what to expect when they were going to come to our house. But then when they came over, it was kind of like, okay, I guess we finally have to go over there. You know, she's been inviting us for dinner. Like we have to go. We'll go. Or we're going to be like so rude. Right? right. And so they come over and they eat the food and they're like, oh my God. Like everybody's just like drooling and like licking their plates. And like, this is the best food. I'm like, yeah, because it's real food. It's the way food is supposed to taste. And it's all made from scratch and all the sauces are like bone broth reductions. And I mean, the amount of flavor that you can get in that is just mind blowing and their bodies are so hungry for it. Right. Yeah. You know, I know. I love it when people come to visit me because I don't even ask them anymore. I, don't, I used to sort of like offer, well, you know, if you won't drink raw milk, then you should pick up your own milk. If you won't have right. cream in your coffee, you should, you know, and I would kind of go through the list if they were coming to visit. And now I don't even do it anymore because they just come and they love it all. They're just like, okay, right. we're at errands. We're going to eat weird stuff, but that they love it. <laughs> and they never leave hungry, you know? <laughs> no. And it's like, now that they see, it's like, oh, it's not that weird. You know, I mean, I know when, like my parents, when they came up to the farm and visited us in um, New Hampshire, they came up from Texas and they were visiting us and they were going to be there a couple of weeks. You know, it was like, at first it was kind of like, okay, now can we use this milk? Can we use the, I'm like, you can use anything that's here. We eat it. We're fine. Like, and then it was like, oh, they really liked it. Um, and you know, my mom would be like, okay, we're out of milk <laughs> and you get some more, you know, cause she'd put it in her coffee. And then, um, you know, at that time we had our own eggs from the farm and I mean, what a difference that was. And then, yeah. you know, they were kind of weirded out by the kombucha that was brewing on the counter. Cause let's be real. Like it looks a little strange when it's brewing. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, I remember <laughs> it does. It looks like a little alien and, um, you know, but then they were like, oh, okay, like, I totally get what that is, and it's not, like, a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time we had um, an assistant come over, like, you know, for the business, because we worked from home, and so she came over to, like, do filing or something, and we were kind of just giving her a tour of the house, and um, she saw the kombucha jars, and she was like, what is that? <laughs> She was, like, kind of freaked out, really, because, you know, they were in these big gallon glass jars, and they were covered with a flour sack towel, and they were just kind of sitting there in their own little corner, and I think she thought we were, like, doing something, like, illegal. I mean, she was <laughs> she was like, what is that? And you could see her kind of back up, and I'm like, it's just a cultured fermented tea, like, it's a probiotic, like, it's totally normal. And once she got it, it was like, oh, okay, like, no big deal. And 
But it really is like for so many people, it's a new concept, so many of these things. And for some of us, even going down, you know, the journey, um, the real food journey, it's a new concept. Totally. Yeah, it's all about learning and growing. Yeah, I mean, when I first started like eating whole foods, I did the maker's diet and he's, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that one, Jordan Rubin. Uh-huh. He constantly is referencing nourishing traditions, recipes on salad felon and, you know, all this. And I, I went through the entire diet, you know, seven weeks or whatever it was. And I never got the, that it mattered whether I was actually having raw milk or just organic. I think we switched to organic at that point, but I couldn't get it through my head that raw was really going to make a difference. And I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like my mom asking me, well, are you going to get raw milk? And I was like, no, that's silly. Like, I don't get it. What's it's so much more expensive. I don't know, you know? And then like maybe a couple months after we were done with it, I was like looking at the website for organic pastures and being like, Oh, Oh, (laughs) Oh, there's a big difference here. I get it. Oh, so organic milk is still dead. Oh, so there's no point. Like that was not nutritious for me at all. Like there's just no point in having it. So, yeah, it's funny how sometimes you, you just can't take it all in. You've just got to go in steps. And you've right. just got to give yourself the freedom to do that. you just got to tackle one thing at a time. You know, for me, I'm always one that, like, I want it all. I want it to be perfect. I want to master it. I want to be the expert. But, you know, you never are. You just have to get over it and just, you know, dip your toe in and then just go as you can go. It's so true. And, you know, right now it's something that kind of – has arisen on the podcast is this movement that we're doing right now. And it's hashtag change one thing. I love love it too. And it's been really awesome. Like we've, you know, people are going on social media and doing the hashtag and telling us what they changed Mm -hmm. today. So if you're listening, go on to, you know, Instagram, Twitter, go on Facebook and tell us what you changed today. Hashtag change one all spelled out thing change one thing and um it's huge because you know once you change one thing you feel inspired and supported to change something else and what's cool about the hashtags is it's like everybody's kind of doing it together so we're having this little community and you know you can go and see what other people change it'll give you inspiration for what hey maybe i'll do that one tomorrow or whatever or i want to get to that one next week um and because it is a journey, it absolutely is, and it's very easy to get overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, but it's nice when we can just take it one step at a time, and when those start building on each other. For sure. Yeah. Great idea. I love that. I'm gonna go make a hashtag today. Yeah, you do that. You tell me what you changed. Okay. <laughs> so, how have people? I mean, have people just been so glad to find your personal chef services because it's like you can finally, they can finally like get some help in the kitchen and yes my (laughs) I'm really really lucky my my main client is they're a couple and they work from home but they're extremely extremely busy and they just literally cannot get themselves in the kitchen or when they do they just need something that's ready or like you know pop in the toaster oven and set a timer and then come back in an hour and it's ready like they just they have to have that level of convenience and yes I'm not really sure what they were eating before um (laughs) <laughs> a lot of takeout, I think. <laughs> but it's just, it's nice, you know, for them, it gives them that convenience and they know that they're getting quality ingredients that, you know, that my standards are way up here and I'm not going to like try to, you know, pawn off any like substandard quality food. We get the best pastured meats. I pick up, you know, fresh oysters from the market for them sometimes and, you know, just 
it's all good. And they're so sweet to me. They're always like, you changed our lives. We love you. So that's pretty gratifying for sure. (laughs) It is. And I, I can only imagine, you know, it's such a gift to give someone because, you know, a real food lifestyle does require a bit more time in the kitchen. I mean, there's absolutely things that we can do with meal planning and batch cooking. And, you know, we love, um, 20 dishes. We've talked about the website, 20 dishes. Like I, I love it. Right. Um, so, so helpful. I mean, to be able to get in and out of the kitchen that fast is huge. Um, because with real food, there's a lot that goes into that, but you know, to be able to have somebody provide that for you, I think is just such a gift because, you know, I mean, I know I've, I've been to the market with you. We've gone to the farmer's market and you know, you know, the area, you know, the producers, Mm -hmm. you know, the farms, you know, who to trust, you know, who's doing it right. Um, and I think that that's huge. And you're always shopping for the newest, you know, the freshest mm-hmm. stuff. You know, do you have any tips for people that are just getting into going to farmer's markets? I mean, how do they even navigate that? Because I know, like, in the beginning, it kind of seems overwhelming. Like, it's so different than going to a grocery store. Mm-hmm. There's just all this food, and it's all out in bins. And you're like, um, what are all these vegetables Exactly. Like? I love it when I, I like... Even to this day, I mean, I've been working in farmer's markets. That's something that I also do on the side for the last five years. I represent one of our local farms that's raising pastured meat and eggs, and I've been selling at the farmer's market for this farm. And so it's kind of interesting to be in this world from both sides, from the chef's perspective and from the producer's, seller's perspective. When you have a good product, you don't have to sell it. You know, it sells itself. You just have to encourage people and remind them why it's worth it. You have to take your time at a farmer's market. There's times when I go in there and I'm just like, I'm in, I'm out. I don't want to talk to anybody. I know what I'm doing, but I've been, I'm used to it. I know who I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. When you don't know that, you've got to take the time. you got to walk around twice. Leave time for yourself to walk around twice. See who's got everything that you want. See what looks good. See who's really organic, who has the right verbiage on their signs. Um, you know, talk to other people. If there's someone standing next to you and they are like are putting everything in their basket, ask them, oh, you really seem to like this stuff. Do you buy here all the time? Do they always have good quality? You know, talk to your fellow shoppers. Mm-hmm. They'll, if they believe in something, they will gush and gush for hours about it. Like, That's true. They'll just stand there and tell you what's up. And then, you know, maybe you can pick their brain about the, a couple booths over, like, what, or where can I find, you know, the best eggs at the market or whatever, and just start there. That's so true. And, you know, you can usually tell the people that are buying stuff like you want to buy. I mean, like whether it's at the farmer's market or Whole Foods or whatever, like when I see somebody buy a brand of something I would buy or they buy like, you know, I look in their little basket and I can tell they eat like the way we do. I usually do try to start up a conversation because I'm like, we're on the same page. We're going to speak the same language. And so at the farmer's market, it's kind of the same thing. If you see, you know, there's a little coconut oil in their, you know, handbag and there's like, you know, pastured meat and you see their little raw milk. It's like, hmm, maybe I could ask this person Mm -hmm. who they recommend or whatever. And I love that, like being able to kind of reach out to the community. Um, And the walk around twice thing I think is so huge because, you know, when you get in there, if you don't know the market well, you want to know who's even there, what's even available. Yeah. I've gone to markets before and it's like, you know, you 
go crazy because it's like, oh my gosh, there's these fresh, you know, organic strawberries here and aren't they amazing? And it's the first table that you see. And so you buy them. Um, but then you walk a, a, a row down and there's somebody else selling strawberries, also organic, maybe for a better price. Yeah. I've had that happen to me a lot. It happens all the time. Well, and also organizing your cold stuff. You know, you don't want to necessarily, because a lot of farmer's markets have, you know, they've got food, like farms are cooking food, um, you know, snacks, and you might want to take advantage of that. There's usually some live music going on or something happening. But you want to kind of hang around a bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, your vegetables can sit in your cart a little bit longer than your raw milk and your, <laughs> you know, meats and whatever. <laughs> so you kind of want to make like a game plan. Right. So you can say, okay, like I've got my cooler bag or whatever, um, because that's a great thing is to take a bag that will help keep things cold. It doesn't have to be a big like camping cooler. It can just be an insulated bag so that you can store the cold things in there. But if you do that walk around twice, you can go, okay, I've got a game plan now. I'm going to get XYZ from these, you know, produce vendors. Then I'm going to go grab meats over here. Um, and it's really important to talk to the producers and ask them, just like you said, like, how are you producing meats? You know, um, how, you know, how are you feeding your animals? Um, is everybody on pasture, you know, and let them, let them tell you because, you know, I mean, I know from a farmer's perspective, like we would tell everybody very proudly how we were raising our animals because it was a lot of work to do it the way that we were doing it. It was incredibly expensive to do it the way we were doing it, but we were so committed to organic, soy-free, pasture-raised, you know, everything non-GMO, every animal was a heritage breed. You know, it was really, really important to us. And you're proud of it. So you want to... Very proud of it. Talk about it. Exactly. Even if you couldn't be at the booth selling it yourself, for example, like you better be hiring people that can communicate that message to the customer because if they're like, I don't know, it's chicken. What do you want to know? That's not the right person. That's not going to fly. (laughs) (laughs) No. And, you know, as you as you are shopping the markets, if you come upon these booths, you really want to engage with people that are proud of what they're doing. Uh A lot of times the smaller farms, they may not be certified organic, but they may be growing organically. Yeah, exactly. They just can't afford the the seal and they can't manage the paperwork and all of that. So, um, you know, again, talk to them, ask them, like I always say, do you spray? And a lot of them say, no, you know, we live there. We work there. My kids are there. Of course I don't spray. Exactly. You know, and some will say, yeah, we do. We try to keep it low, but we do. And you just have to make the decision on what works best for your family. But I think that communication is so important. Another farmer's market tip is that a lot of booths, especially if it's something like meat or milk that needs to be kept cold, is you can stop by and buy it and have them hang on to it in their cooler for you and then pick it up at the end if you know your Oh, nice. That's something that I wouldn't hesitate to ask any of those vendors because they all have cold trucks or big coolers or whatever. It's really no skin off their nose to do it for you. Exactly. And then you've paid so they know, hey, you're going to come back. Yeah, exactly. And I I have had people not come back. (laughs) And then then the next week they're like, I love my chicken. And I'm like, I You're like, I know. Here Here it is. is. I saved it for you. No, just kidding. Like, I'll I'll give you a new one, you know, for people. Well, you really start to get the the relationships built. And and it's great. Yeah. 
I mean, you know that you're going to see the same people every time and, and, you know, or buy from the same family every time. And, and that's really rewarding. And it's a lovely experience, you know, to go and you're out there in the fresh air and you're, you know, experiencing all these possibilities. And especially if this is new to you, to be able to select food like that and to be able to look at all of the options is really exciting. It can be a little overwhelming at first, but if you just approach it with the right attitude, like, I'm going to go, this is going to be an adventure, you know, don't make it too hard on yourself. And oh my gosh, it's so easy to spend tons of money that you didn't plan on spending. So definitely take your cash. This is what I'm spending. I have people do it all the time. They'll come up to me and go, I have $5 left. What can I get? And I'll be like, I can sell you uh, half a dozen eggs, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I'm not going to short sell myself, but I'm like, uh, yeah, you should have come here first. Strict budgeter, then you need to shop for the big stuff first, and then you can go to a produce booth with $5 and be like, it's the end of market. Can I have a bunch yeah. of broccoli? And this is all I have left. You know, like you can work with a produce vendor a little easier than you can work with something where the dollar is a little higher. It's very true. I mean, I know, again, from the farmer's perspective, like our margins on meat and eggs were really razor thin. Mm -hmm. And especially in the beginning, um, I think we were paying people to eat our eggs, like even at $6 a dozen, like, I think that we were paying people to eat our eggs because it was so expensive. And we weren't really getting compensated for our time to gather the eggs and wash the eggs and prepare them for market. And, you know, you know, all the packaging and then the labels on the packaging. I mean, there's just a lot of steps that go into it. And, you know, produce, not that it's any less complicated, but um, there is a little bit more of a margin there. And especially at the end of the day, you know, that's not something you're going to throw in the freezer. Whereas if you've got, you know, uh, pork chops, they can go back in the freezer because they've been frozen all day. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, but the the broccoli is kind of starting to... (laughs) wear a little under the the heat and (laughs) and they don't want to load that up and take it back home. So yeah, you can often get deals at the end, but you know, a lot of places it's, that's their price. They've set the price and whatever you can get a little bit of wiggle room, but you know, again, like most people are charging a pretty darn fair price and you can save a good amount of money over the stores very often, especially for local and organic. Mm -hmm. So I like that. Make sure that you bring cash. Absolutely. A lot of booths will take credit cards these days, but cash is always sort of king at these events. And, And certainly if you do want to be able to take advantage of any deals, um, you know, cash is where it's at. And then, um, definitely I would say go early in the day, um, either early or late, I guess it depends on what you're doing, but I always seem to, to go a little bit earlier because that's when I know the, the stock is going to be the highest on what I want and that they're not going to be sold out. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of booths where they sell out or certain crops will sell out. They'll have like these beautiful strawberries. And if you waited till the end, you wouldn't have gotten them. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I know like in New Hampshire, we have a huge, um, such a great foodie scene there. And the the winter market um, was indoors and it was like a a whole, um, it was like a high school and it was the entire, you know, lunchroom in there that we had the market. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, probably 40, 40, 50 vendors. And, you know, even at that number, um, if you got there later in the day, you're not going to get your eggs. You're not going to get your raw milk because they've been snatched up. Right. And especially in the winter when the supply is a little bit lower for eggs, you've got, you know, chickens lay less mm-hmm. in the winter. Um, so it was kind of hard sometimes to get those things if you weren't on top of it and, and you didn't know where you were going. So I definitely encourage you to go, 
you know, maybe early get your main stuff and then like kind of keep your eye on what's going on and then, you know, go have lunch, whatever, go hang out, go run an errand and then pop back by the market right before closing and see, is anything marked down? <laughs> yeah. You a lot of them are near some really great eateries. You can just really make a morning of it or an evening of it, depending on the time of the market. It's, it's really fun. I just love that that's part of my week, most weeks. And I love that. I love seeing the same people. I love my customers. I really spoil them too. I don't know if other vendors do it, but like, if I know someone's coming every single week and they always want the same thing, they want, you know, two dozen eggs and two bags of chicken breast or whatever. Like I do whatever I can to take care of them to make sure that that's set aside for them so that they don't miss out if they're yes. running late. Or I'm happy to give out my phone number so that they can text me and be like, I'm running late. This is what I need today. Um, and I just work with people like that. And, you know, I wouldn't be too surprised if some of the other people, when you see the same face at the booth a lot, you can, you know, really work on your relationship with them to get to that level where, you know they're going to save you the best broccoli and the best eggs or whatever you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, especially for you, that's so important as a chef because as you go around, I mean, I know, again, you get to talk from both sides, from working a booth and then from also shopping. But it's really important because I know when we went to the market together, there were a lot of people that did have wonderful things set aside for you and and that, you know, knew what you were looking for. And that's wonderful. That's only helps us, you know, in our real food kitchens, for sure. sure. When you go and you're like, I really just, I have to have this thing. I really don't want to have to go buy it at the store. This is where I want to get it. Like, make that phone call. Farmer will do anything to make their customers happy. That's, you know. Yeah. Customers are their bread and butter. Like, that's the farmer's market. That's where they make their money. Like, they don't want you to be sad that you missed out, you know, because you, you know, you got into an accident on your way to the market or you got to, whatever, you know, like right. running late. Like they'd be happy to do that for you. They want to keep you happy. Um, people want to reward the loyal, loyal customers and loyal supporters. So um, that's a great tip to really get in there and know everybody. And okay, so we've talked about bringing cash, going early, maybe checking it out late. Um, we've talked about, you know, walking around twice, seeing who's there taking your cooler bag or asking your farmer to please hold on to it for you. I don't know if a lot of um, vendors do this, but I think there's some where they have a website or a web store and you can actually place an order ahead of time. Oh yeah. Cool. Um, I think a lot of the, the guys that sell pastured meats and things like that do have something like this where you can communicate with them somehow to place an order ahead of time. And then that way it's there for you. I have a couple people and you know, they'll have ordered online They'll even have prepaid online and they'll just stop by and be like, okay, you got my order. Okay, good. I'm going to go do the rest of my shopping, get my order together. I'll be back in 10 minutes and then I can like weigh everything and get it all ready and bagged up for them. Weighing it out. A lot of people don't understand that, you know, we don't as farmers, like even if you pre-order, we don't know the exact cut weight Mm -hmm. of your meat and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you may say that you want like one pork shoulder and and we can give you a range on the website. Like that's usually, you know, two and a half to three and a half pounds. Um, and there'll be like an amount that you would have paid or whatever. That's sort of an average. Okay. This is kind of typical. It's not like this for everybody, but this is pretty standard. You will probably pay kind of an average for that and then it's actually going to be weighed at the market and that's actually sort of a legal requirement in many places too is that it has to be weighed there unless it's already got a sticker on it that says 
the exact weight. Right. Yeah. Um, but like for us, we would weigh at the time of sale right. um, and mark it there. And then, um, and then that's what the, the charge is based right. on. And then we just collect the difference or if we owe a difference because it's smaller, then we just take care of it at market. Yeah. So that's something to really anticipate, especially if you're new to going to farmer's markets. That's kind of just how it works. Um, because remember, the meat is very fresh, so we we don't know the cut weights a lot of times before we get to market because sometimes we're processing or butchering like that week. Right. Yeah, yeah, a lot of our stuff is fresh, and we're not the actual butcher. We don't really aren't the ones cutting the meat, so we we can tell him, look, make all the shoulder roasts, you know, three pounds, but there's right. going to be some variance. It just happens. Right, and it's usually a small variance, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and things that are more set are things like eggs. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, produce costs are set. Some of that will be by by the poundage too of the produce, mm-hmm. but very often it's it's sort of set. Um yeah, and then different packages of like maybe cheeses or, you know, grains or something like that depending on what you're buying or certainly like baked goods. A lot of times those prices are already set. It's really the meats or the things that are going to vary in weight so much so but i mean i've really been amazed by the the variety available at farmers markets i mean meat from all sorts of animals i mean we've seen everything from you know sort of game meats like venison and um elk and all kinds of things all all the way through you know beef pork chicken lamb yep and it just varies by the market but you're usually going to see a really wide range of meats available and certainly of cuts Mm-hmm. You know, and that's again where your farmer can come in and help you because they can um, direct you to what types of cuts to get, what types might be more economical. Um, you know, if you're on a really tight budget and you need to make it go really far, they can help you um, choose maybe a tougher cut of meat. But if you slow cook it or you do it in the instant pot, which I just love oh my, my instant God, pot. I love mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Oh, it's amazing. Oh my gosh, I know. (laughs) So much. Oh my gosh. But if you've got that, you know, it can really help make the meat tender. Instant Pot is a, it's an electric pressure cooker and it actually works very similarly to a slow cooker in that you can take a tougher cut of meat or make anything that you would make in a slow cooker, but it does it a lot faster. And I mean a lot faster. Like I can make short ribs that would normally take six to eight hours in my slow cooker. I can actually put them in frozen in the Instant Pot and have them done in, in like an hour, hour and a half. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Like it saved my, you know, you have to have that feature. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do love short ribs. (laughs) <laughs> it's great because you get meat and you get bones yep. and so you can make a lovely broth afterwards and <laughs> so yeah. true i know you love to tease me about i do shirt. it's just funny because it's like literally <laughs> the one thing that you will always order that is true that <laughs> you're is like true. where are we going to eat do they have short ribs because <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna get those They're always so good. It's true, though. Getting those in a restaurant is always such a treat because they're so tender and they always have such rich flavors around them. Yeah. love it. Yeah, and they're usually served with amazing vegetables and some kind of lovely puree. Mm -hmm. Like, I made it the other day with parsnip puree, and it was so good. (laughs) Um, Okay, now you're hungry. Stop it. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, everybody listening, confession, I'm the short rib queen. The short rib queen. (laughs) I will also almost always order anything with truffles. Oh, yeah. And I will almost always order anything uh, with pork belly. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. That's my that's rule. Right. If pork belly's on the menu, unless the preparation or the flavors really just don't appeal to me that day, which I've literally never seen that happen, I always <laughs> order the pork belly. It's usually done really right at a restaurant. I mean, it's actually a little bit tricky sometimes to cook at home. I'm sure for you it's not. But for some people, it can get a little tough if you don't cook it right. Yeah. And so... um so restaurants usually do it really well, and it's just such such a decadent, oh, wonderful thing. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. I'll also often order octopus if it's oh, on the menu. Oh, Love that. Because, again, it's usually done right. Yeah. So that's not usually something I tackle at home. But, <laughs> yeah, there was a restaurant that we used to go to. It was called Heirloom, and it was at the study at Yale in New Haven, Connecticut. And they made the best octopus I have ever had. And if you're looking, if you're listening to that going, okay, that sounds really weird and disgusting. <laughs> it is so not. It was so good. And, you know, it was like it was locally caught because Connecticut, obviously, is right there on the water. And so um, – we would be able to get, you know, fresh calamari or, or octopus, usually baby octopus, but get that, you know, fresh. And it was amazing because fork, tender, and just like they made this amazing pesto to go with it. And it was all baked in a little cast iron skillet and just, oh, my gosh, so incredible. And so I asked the chef one day, I said, okay, how are you doing this? Because why is it so tender? It's not chewy at all. It's just like butter. And he said, our secret is that we boil it first, then we bake it. And I'm like, okay, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So, but it's still not something I tackle at home, but like calamari done right, usually sauteed, um, octopus or escargot. If I can get that out and not tackle it at home, that's usually going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Never tried escargot at home. That's funny. I've been calamari either. a few times and it's, it's not yeah. too hard. No, it's just, it can be a little bit tough if you don't do it quite right. But, and I do like it fried, but, you know, we make our, like, gluten-free tempera batter with rice flour and sparkling water mm. and do that and, you know, either lard or sometimes I'll even do, like, a, a good high oleic sunflower oil or something like that if it's just going to be a, an occasional thing. I would much rather use lard or tallow or one of the heavier you know, more suitable for frying fats. But, you know, I really like it sautéed. And we would get the fresh calamari in Connecticut just, you know, right from the coast. And we could slice it up and, you know, you'd do the body in, in the rounds and then you'd have the tentacles. And, you know, that's something really nice to have sautéed. I'd love to mix it with olives and capers and a little bit of lemon. And, yeah, we can always like, talk real food. God, are we talking about food again? <laughs> I know. Like, are you kidding? I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> or you're talking about food again. It's been like an hour. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, it's time to talk about food again. It's been an hour. Right? <laughs> Comes around. I start every Exactly. Hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a real foodie thing. Yeah. I totally get it. So, you know, talking about food, I know that your blog, The Bacon's Rebellion, which I think is a really cute name, by the way, <laughs> you talk about food a lot. Yes, and tell you what the Bacon's Rebellion is. We're the Bacon's. My husband's last name literally is Bacon. I love Bacon so much I married him. You know, we have all <laughs> these Bacon jokes. We People buy us all those little Bacon things like Bacon Band-Aids and Bacon Soap and we have Bacon Toilet Paper. Like, there's literally Bacon everything <laughs> out there somewhere and we've probably That's been gifted all of it at this point. Um, we've been together 10 years now, so we've, we've literally gotten 10 years of a baking collection going on here. <laughs> a brief history. So we got married 10 years ago and Joe already owned a house, but it was really teeny tiny. And I was like, I have a humongous family. Like, I don't mean to be a princess, but I can never host Christmas. Like it's never going to happen here. So 
instead of selling it and buying something bigger or closer, we decided to keep the house and to add on to it. So we, okay. we added on a nice big brand new kitchen for me and a nice big master suite for us and then the rest of the house. So now, you know, it's a normal house, it's like 1,250 square feet. It's still not big, but it was really tiny before. It was like 750. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> so wow. Like oh, that would be below. hard to hold. <laughs> now it's like a normal house. So that was like the first year and a half of our marriage was remodeling this house. And I never, my family never owned their homes. We were in the military. We were always moving um, and renting and that's just how life was. Um, and, my parents finally bought a condo like a couple of years ago. So this is like, I was the first one in our family to live in a house that we owned. I know, I know nothing about taking care of a house. I don't know anything about maintenance <laughs> or yard work or like any of that. So, so ideally you jumped right into right, a remodel. Exactly. Being, the, you know, <laughs> perfectionist type person. I was like, I'm going to tackle this. No, that's probably one thing that I never mastered. I think I looked at it and was like, so overwhelmed. Like I just am going to bury my head in the sand here and let someone yeah. else take care of it. That's hard for anybody, but if you've not had experience with it before, I mean, it's like, whoa. Yeah, it is so like, whoa. I mean, it was crazy. Especially if it's your kitchen and your master bedroom. I mean, yeah. you don't have a lot. It's one thing if you're like adding on a sunroom or yeah, oh. <laughs> something you're not going to be in all the time, but a kitchen and a master bedroom, that's a lot. No, we literally had to, we had a bedroom that we could sleep in that was like, a dust free room, like a construction free zone. And then we set up like a little kitchen in the garage. So, and a TV out in the garage. So we'd have like a little living room where we could, you know, go to like, just relax and watch TV before we went to bed and where I could cook dinner. We actually had a sink out there and I just crock potted everything. We got a hot plate and I literally had to like figure out how to camp kitchen in our own. Wow. Because that's just how bad, like the house was just completely gutted and torn apart. So anyway, so that was the first year and a half was me like on this <laughs> crazy learning curve of, Oh, this is how it works. Every day we go to work all day and then we come home and we work all night. <laughs> right. And ideally this would be in the first year of a of marriage course, as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys really bit off a lot there. <laughs> I know, right? I but know. if you made it through that in your 10 years, you know, Hey, exactly. I kind of you're like in we're it. pretty bulletproof at this point. We made it through that. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about us with the farm. Right? It's like if we could make it through the farm Trial by fire, <laughs> seriously. Exactly. So we did all that and we, you know, accumulated some debt doing this and we, we bought all this stuff for the house and, um, I guess we never learned because we're sort of doing it again. We're now converting the, the garage into a studio um, okay. where people can live. But we have a really specific goal this time in doing it. We we want to be location dependent one day. Joe can retire in like three years. And so the goal is that maybe we can hit the road. You know, we can actually travel and get out of here. So you're going to do your own real right, food road trip. Exactly. My own <laughs> I want to be Amy when I grow up, please. <laughs> so that's kind of the plan. So we, we're kind of on a three-year plan. We're doing the studio so that we can, you know, rent it and have some rental income. And that's going to help with our debt. But I like over the last, I don't know, I guess maybe the last year and a half or so, we really just got the travel bug. We're like, we love road trips. We've been on a couple each summer. We've been on one the last couple of years and we just love it. Like we feel so alive and so happy and we get to see parts of the country that we've never seen and connect with people all over the world. And I love Facebook for that because you can keep up with people and you can make friends that are like, you know, you would never meet them in real life if it was normal right. circumstances, but it's awesome. Like you have people that you can connect with out on the road and there's all this stuff. And anyway, so 
There's um there's a website called The Story of Stuff. Have you seen? Yeah. Oh so, yeah. And I'll and I'm gonna yeah, link to that in our show notes, guys. Yes. So under um if you go to realfoodwholehealth.com under podcast under episodes, you'll find this episode and all the show notes for today. So any websites that we reference, books, products, um, or you know the story of stuff, they have actually a little movie. Um, I'm gonna put the links to all of that. So that I know you're probably multitasking right now and you can't write anything down. Um, so you'll be able to go to realfoodwholehealth.com and grab the show notes. So yeah, the story of stuff, I love it. I love it. It's so powerful. Yeah, it really moved me. It was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I've been such a consumer. This is crazy. You know. I think all of us have. I mean, yeah. that was that's the culture. It is. It really is. And I'm just kind of like, I'm over it. I'm like. I would rather live, you know, in a little tiny, like now I kind of look back and I'm like, gosh, why didn't I just stay keep our little tiny house, little tiny house and just be happy with that. Like I could have been doing so much more all this time instead of spending all this money, making the house bigger and, you know, bigger and better and more furniture and new furniture and new bedding, you right. know, just like all the stuff that we've spent money on over the last 10 years. I'm like kicking myself now. Like, why did we do that? That was so stupid. Like what a waste. You know, it wasn't, though, because you enjoyed it at the time. It was a learning process. Yeah. Like, it really is an evolution, and that's the thing. Like, we have to have the grace with ourselves to kind of, like, appreciate our present state and, you know, just really feel into it and say, like, all of these experiences have made me who I am and have helped me, you know, learn what I want and what I don't want because at the time – you know, go back 10 years ago when you had that small house, if you would have said, okay, I can keep this small house and maybe in 10 years I'm going to do some traveling, or you can say, I want to en enlarge this house so that I can entertain my family, you might have very well chosen the same path. <laughs> that's true. You know? Yeah, that's true. I might have. Because you're making the decision there. So, you know, we don't want to go back and beat ourselves up because you did the best with what you had at the time and the best of the knowledge and whatever. But it is an evolution to be able to have that experience and then go, okay, I've had this experience and now I'm ready for something else. And like you said, you'd almost rather have these experiences than, than um, continue to acquire things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just really where I'm at right now. And I, that's a really good point. I'm really good at beating myself up and second guessing everything. And like, I think we all Why are. Why did I do that? I'm oh well, yeah, you know, totally. Constantly you have that like, you know, little person in your head screaming at Always. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's true. You need to honor where you've been so because that's what helped make you who you are today. Well, because you may not even be thinking about doing this. And it's the same for anybody that's going on a real food journey or improving their health or anything like that. It's like, you know, I mean, I know for me, like I really, um, when I was going through all of my illness and just like every day in, in constant pain and suffering and all these migraines and, you know, thyroid and adrenal and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was just like such a mess, you know, but there was this little bitty voice somewhere in there and it didn't show up all the time, but sometimes it was there and it would say, you know, you're going to come out the other side of this and be able to help people that are going through it. And it's like, that's exactly what's happened. But at the time, you know, it really sucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there I just was, want this to be over. <laughs> I just want it to be over. Yeah. I just wanted to shortcut right to the end, yeah. you know? And I think that's so common is when we get in that kind of struggle, it's like, can't I just shortcut the struggle? And it's like, well, the struggle's kind of important. Yeah. Unfortunately, you it know? is important, though. And that's true. And that's actually something that I'm 
thinking about right now is just to be mindful because he can retire and we've got this sort of timeline of three years. We're on a three year plan. We keep calling it the three year plan. That's our thing. And it's like, I need to still enjoy my life during these three years. I can't just be like, hurry up and be over, you know? No, that's not cool. Then you've wished away three years of your life. I'm like, I can't believe that we'd be, you know, that, that I'm as old as I am. Time flies. I feel like such an old person saying that, but it's like, it just goes, <laughs> it goes so fast. Life is short and you have to enjoy it. So I'm really trying to be mindful of this journey and of this process that I'm in right now. And just, you know, take it one day at a time. <laughs> Do well, best I taking, can. Yeah, absolutely. And you're taking steps towards your goal. I mean, it's, it is a three-year plan. And so, you know, you're, you're working on converting the studio and then, you know, you're working on um, getting out, the stuff that you don't need decluttering and downsizing and you know I mean all of that is a process and takes time and honestly it's a very engaged process like you know it there's a lot to it it's not like you just are moving things from point a to point b it it really is a mental and emotional process to downsize and declutter and all of that but the thing is is you have to continue to take action on it a little bit every day again change one thing So you have to keep changing one thing every day and walking towards your goal so that you can make progress over that three years. It's not like, oh, we're just going to hang out for three years and then voila, it happens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If only. But, yeah, that's not reality. No, it's true. Like, you just have to. Some days I look around my kitchen and I go, okay, what is sitting on the counter that that I don't need anymore? And I'll just grab a couple things and throw it in the Goodwill box. Like, okay, I don't need, you know, 15 wooden spoons anymore I'm going to learn how to live with just two you know like pick my favorite ones and just hold on to that for a little while longer and moving the plan is to move into the studio and then rent out the house so then we'll be you know downsizing again to a smaller space so we'll have to really work towards that and hopefully that's right um, and that was really helpful for us to have a kind of a mid thing because we were going from you know 3,000 square feet at the farm with all the farm and the full basement and all of that we were going from that and then our motorhome was going to be 400 square feet so that was going to be a huge jump and so actually um you know as we discussed on one of our travel episodes we went and after we sold the farm, we stayed at a condo in Maine for three months while we were organizing our travel plans and finishing out the summer in Maine because why not? Because I love Maine so much. <laughs> so it was like I didn't want to leave and we were kind of helping out a friend that was finishing some construction. And so there was all these things and it was like, okay, we're going to go here. But, you know, that was a really great opportunity for us to have a space that was smaller than our home. You know, it was a little bit crazy because we kind of had some stuff in boxes and, you know, we weren't going to take it out of boxes because we knew we were only there for a couple months. And so it was a little bit hairy a few times trying to make it work, but it also let us really work with just the essentials. And it was like, if I really had to have something, it was in a box and it was there and I could get to it, Mm -hmm. but I really made do without a lot of things and, and really not suffering at all. Like it really was very natural and easy and kind of was eye opening for me to go, Oh wow. Like I don't think 400 square feet is going to be that big of a deal, you know? And so I think that that's kind of helpful. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good step along the way. Because when you guys did your road trip, and I know you mentioned like you've done a road trip, but I mean, it was a big road trip. It wasn't just like, hey, we're going for a week and going to be in the car. You guys were gone for a couple months. We were gone for six weeks. And yeah, that's the longest 
the summer before that we had gone for I think three weeks. So we doubled yeah. it and it was like right around the three mark the three week mark, Joe was like it kind of feels a little uncomfortable. It's like when you're in a movie that's three hours long and you're used to the two hour or the one and a half, you know, like about halfway through, you're like, Oh, my butt hurts. You know, like this. Right. <laughs> I need to move. <laughs> yeah. We were kind of having the, a little bit of a, like a freak out, like, Oh, really? We get to keep going. We don't have to go home now. You know? Exactly. Yeah. But it was amazing. That was such a great trip. Like that was a well, great trip. You guys covered a lot of land. We did. We did. Yeah. It was amazing. We went all the way. We started in Yosemite and went up, around to Tahoe and then cut across to San Francisco and then all the way up the coast to about halfway through Oregon. And then we cut inland and did Portland and up to Seattle and up to um, Vancouver. We went into Canada. We stayed with some friends. We literally like car camped under their weeping willow of a tree on their property. <laughs> it was really fun. Wow. And they lived maybe like 45 minutes from the city. So we got to go in the city a lot. Um, and it's just beautiful. I think Vancouver is, is definitely one of my favorite cities. It's really neat. It's yeah, sparkly. we enjoyed our time there, too. Yeah. Don't you find it yeah. sparkly? Like, I don't know if it's just the yeah. way the water bounces <laughs> off of everything. It's just amazing. It's different. I didn't think of it like that. But, yeah, it is. And with that seawall there and everything, I was. it's really lovely. I mean, there's just so much going on in, in really all of that area. Everywhere that you mentioned, you know, we it's where we were this yeah. year. And it was amazing. <laughs> like following you around. Yeah, and we, we even met up on the oh, road. Where did we meet? In Seattle? Uh, Olympia? I think we were yeah. Olympia. Yeah, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah you guys had just gotten back from yeah. um, Vancouver. We yeah. did the we did the ferry and we did some camping on the islands and came back from Victoria. And then I think we met with you the day after we got back from Victoria. You know, and, th- and that kind of thing is so fun and so um, exciting, yeah. you know, and that's really what, you know, the Bacon's Rebellion is all about is you guys are like kind of you've had this you know, quote unquote, kind of textbook normal life of, you know, getting married and having the house and whatever. And now it's time for a new adventure. And, you know, you're taking your business location independent and, you know, really trying to go with gusto and and embrace, yeah, your husband's retirement and all kinds of things. Yeah, it's super exciting. I, I hope that people will like and enjoy, you know, reading along with us as we discover how this journey is going to unfold because we're right in the middle of it right now. You know, it's yeah. a transition. I feel like I'm in a cocoon and in three years it's going to be butterfly time. But in the meantime, you're enjoying the cocoon. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to keep helping you try. Yay, thank you. It really takes, um, it takes a village and it takes support. It does. Oh, like, does. I totally get it because we went through the very same thing and, you know, when we had made the decision, you know, I talked about this in, in our first travel episode but when we had to made the decision to um to do, to do the real food road trip yeah. and to go back and sell the farm and I mean what a huge decision that was and um <laughs> you know and then clean it all out and get rid of all the stuff and I mean oh my gosh like downsizing alone is a lot but downsizing a farm is just mind blowing I, I mean the amount imagine. of oh my gosh like I, the just 5 gallon buckets alone <laughs> <laughs> How many did you have? Come on, you know. I, I mean, probably 40 or oh, 50. Like, I mean, that's just farming, right. you know. And um, we had over 200 animals at, at some points. Wow. And so, and with just the two of us. So, you know, I mean, you just always are throwing hay in buckets and water in buckets <laughs> and carrying food in buckets. And I just feel like my whole life for three years was five-gallon buckets. But 
<laughs> you know, are different water tubs or different feed dishes. Or, and as you're finding what works for your animals, like you're going through all these different things. And, you know, with all the rabbits, all of them had, you know, their own water bottles. And we had like 48 rabbits. So it was like, okay. you know, trying to give everybody their own water bottles. And, you know, yeah. I mean, that's actually kind of bringing back some... <laughs> bad big memories uh-huh. of, like the winter like carrying five gallon buckets full of the rabbit water bottles up to my kitchen sink because I didn't have couldn't use the outside <sighs> faucet oh. and we'd have to do that three or four times a day and defrost them all and so then I had doubles of all the bottles because then we'd have some that were full <laughs> with warm water and some that were full of ice oh, and my goodness yeah. Wow. So while that was all going on and downsizing all of that and going through, all, you know, like the selling of the property and, you know, I mean, just all of that, I definitely needed support to, like, keep the faith that there was end in sight and that I was headed somewhere good with all of that. And then we'd made the right decision because there were a lot of times it was kind of like, oh, my goodness, what are we doing? Yeah. And wouldn't it be easier to just not do anything at all? Right. You know, that's always the the um, allure, right? right? It's like, wouldn't it be easy if I just didn't have to do anything at all? Yeah. But that, that's not... It's so not reality, though. You're just never... It's so not really reality. happen if you don't do it. you got to do it. you got to do it. And like we talked about, the struggle is actually really worth something. So, you know, I mean, even though we're talking about downsizing or going location independent or, or traveling or whatever, it totally applies in so many areas of life. And, and for a lot of people that are listening, you know, they're struggling with maybe a health challenge or, or they're struggling with getting in the flow with their family, their growing family. Maybe they, you know, just had a new baby and, mm-hmm. you know, everything's changing. And it's like in the middle of it, sometimes it can seem very dark and close and crazy, but the struggle's like important. Very often our greatest challenges are our greatest gifts. And so as we, you know, experience these things and we come out the other side, we're then able to help people going through the same thing or, or something very similar because we've been there, we've made it through. And a lot of times we can help them shortcut, you know, all the suffering and all the mistakes we made. I mean, sometimes they go, you know, like me, very, you know, pig-headed and have to make all the mistakes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally me. That's totally me. I always. That's a lot of mistakes. us, I think. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm glad that worked for you. It yeah. won't work for me. I'm going to do this my way, and then you do. Yeah, and then ten all years the later, you're like, thing. oh yeah, I should have just listened. <laughs> should have listened to you. Yep. Thanks so much. Totally. Yeah, and then they're on to something else. You know, I mean, it's always a constant evolution. Yes. So. Well, thank you so much for visiting with us today. This has been a lot of fun. I love the farmer's market tips. I love talking food with you. And, you know, I love the inspiration of where you're going with Bacon's Rebellion. And I'm anxious to see your rebellion. So we're going we're gonna to follow that. All right. Cool. Yay. All right. Well, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. And please remember to leave us an iTunes review. Also, head over to our website at realfoodwholehealth.com and enter your email to receive free goodies, discounts, updates, and more. See you next time on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast.